Hello and welcome to the Valley Fellowship Podcast. I'm Barone Savori, lead pastor at Valley Fellowship. And on this podcast, we seek to inspire you to help you acquire a new skill or perspective or wrestle with difficult questions about life and living in the 21st century. We do this through sermons, through interviews, and through conversations on these different various topics. And so we're so glad that you have joined us today. We hope that you will be inspired by the message that will be shared during this program. If you're looking to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook. Just search for Valley Fellowship SDA Church. You'll find us there. Or if you would like to view previous worship experiences, you can find us on YouTube. Just search for Valley Fellowship SDA Church. God bless you. I hope this message inspires you today. Valley Fellowship, I want to encourage you to support your pastor, love on your pastor, pray for your pastor. Especially in these dark and evil times, God has blessed you to have a man of God who loves the Lord and who's committed to the ministry that God has given and the work that is to be done at the Valley Fellowship Church. I believe that under his leadership, you will move from height to height and from glory to glory. And we look forward to what God is going to do in your lives and in your church. That having been said, I've been invited to preach the Word of God today, and that's what I intend to do. I'd like to call your attention to the book of Exodus and the 14th chapter, Exodus chapter 14, verses 1 to 4. Again, that's Exodus chapter 14, 1 to 4, and I'd like to read it in your hearing. The Bible says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pehahiroth, between Migdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Belsophon. Pharaoh will think that the Israelites are wandering, wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. Here it is. I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. I'd like to focus our sermonic spotlight again on verse four, but I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army. I'd like to preach for the next few moments with this thought in our minds, for your glory. If you're sitting next to anyone in your home right now, will you turn around and look at them and say, neighbor, God says, for his glory, for your glory. Will you bow your heads with me as we pray? Father, I stretch my hand to thee, no other help I know. And Lord, I know you will not withdraw your help from me. I won't have to look for where to go. Lead God and direct, have your own way. In Jesus' name, amen. The question I pose to you this morning is what would you do for the glory of God. That's the kind of question many Christians delight in answering. If you took a survey of the modern day believer, a believer with an imagination as inexhaustible as the sands on the seashore, they'd come up with a whole host of things that they would be willing to endure if only God would get the glory. There are those who say they would voluntarily submit themselves for torture. There are those who would endure the harshest discomfort 
There are those who would subject themselves to the most intense pain. There are those who say we'd remain faithful despite the deepest distress. They claim that they'd remain committed in spite of loss of employment, abandonment, isolation, and a whole host of other unpleasantries. If only God would get his glory. And the truth be told, I don't have any reason to question the sincerity of the saints and believers who say they're willing to lay it all on the line for the glory of God. But I found that believers, many of them who say they would do anything for the glory of God, I have found in many cases that the opposite is true. Matter of fact, in the amount of time that I've been pastoring and counseling believers, more often than not, the glory of God is the least of their considerations. In other words, the idea of putting it all on the line for God sounds real good, especially when it's something that they get to sign up for. But is there anybody under the sound of my voice and listening to this broadcast who can testify that most of the times opportunities to be used as instruments for God's glory are not the ones that we get to sign up for. As a matter of fact, the majority of the people who've ever been used to bring glory to the name of God are not individuals who signed up. They were selected. In other words, they were not given a choice in the matter. They were simply led into tight places and called to endure strenuous circumstances. And they were recommended for suffering. They were deposited into pernicious situations. They were constrained by significant restrictions. They were prohibited uh, uh, for calling for assistance. They were overwhelmed by perplexing dilemmas and discomfited by impossible and impassable obstacles. They were chosen to be the vehicles for the display of God's glory. And if you, my saints and friends, can identify with God's election rather than your selection, then you're already in the passage. Because when we arrive at Exodus chapter 14, the children of Israel are situated in a dead-end street, in a dark alley, and it's God who's commanded Moses to lead them there. I promise you I'm in the Bible because in Exodus 14, 1 and 2, God makes it clear to tell Moses to turn around inwardly toward Egypt and camp near Hippiaharoth between Migdal and the sea. He tells Moses that the people are to camp directly opposite Baal-Zephon. The Israelites are delivered into a predicament that will cause their enemies to doubt the very power of the God who led them. Their location and the hopelessness of their situation will cause their Egyptian captors to think that they've been left desolate. And is there anyone on this broadcast who can identify with God's people that some of the places where God has dropped us off are just a little bit crazy. I wish I had a witness here. Where are my seasoned saints and devoted disciples and sanctified souls who are keenly aware 
that God will often place us in positions that perplex us. It's not what you wanted, but it's what you were gifted. It's not what you desired, but it's where you were dropped off. It's not even what you expected, but that's what and where you've been established. And the truth is that many a times the people of God, those of us whom God has assigned predicaments, want no part of the drama that God has signed us up for. As a matter of fact, we're looking for ways to get out of that trouble. We often feel the calamity that we're facing is unnecessary. In fact, we go to blaming others for that which God is ultimately responsible. And if I were being honest today, in most of our challenging seasons, our main concern is not God's glory, it's our comfort. We often get caught up in asking questions like, why did God allow this to happen to me? And why is it I'm going through this? And why doesn't God just do something? And what does this all mean? And why is this necessary? Ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you that this coronavirus calamity has afforded us an opportunity to think and reflect and ponder upon these kinds of questions. But you know, it's done something a little bit more for me. It's caused me to ponder the existential realities of my own existence. In the absence of everyday distractions, I've had the opportunity to seriously consider the faith that I've practiced and preached over the course of these last 20 years in ministry and 40 years of life. My inability to go where I want and do the things I enjoy doing and enjoying community and fellowship with friends and family and the deprivation of opportunities for communal worship has made some things about me very clear to me and now I'm aware of them. Here's what I've discovered. Can I share my confessions here? I possess a deep-seated desire and a need to be comfortable. And before you point the finger at the preacher, uh, uh, the truth of the matter is, uh, many of y'all listening to this message possess the same need yourselves. I know I'm not alone by virtue of all the folk that I've been talking to. Uh, I've seen that many of us uh, share this deep-seated need too. Uh, this need to maintain the status quo. This need to keep things exactly as they are. This this need to live stable and predictable lives. And while Corona has been an unwelcome intrusion in our lives, it has changed our everyday and established a new normal. Corona has also exposed in many of us a certain disdain for the unpredictable. Can I preach it like I feel it? We've come now to the realization that we desire to and often have the need to control just about everything in our lives. We need to be able to dictate what will and will not be. The idea of living at the whim and according to the desires of others is unsettling. And when confronted with our own limitations and finiteness, we become extremely annoyed and distressed and at times inconsolable. It then becomes easy to slip into constant complaining and murmuring and whining and pouting. You got folk running around here talking about why this and why that and when will it and why won't it 
And while these are natural questions to ask, I submit to you that they're also the wrong questions to ask. Might I suggest to Valley Fellowship that there are better questions to ask, saints of God. There's a better approach, one that results in an entirely new way of looking at your difficulties and puts our problems into a different context and creates a new paradigm in dealing with tough situations. When we face trying times and overwhelming experiences, watch this, our focus needs to be on what God is doing as opposed to how we're feeling. I think I ought to pause right here and run that one right back to you. When we're going through difficult circumstances, I'd like to suggest that we spend more time asking amen ourselves, God, what are you trying to get done as opposed to how I'm feeling? Instead of asking, how can I get out of this mess? We might be better in asking God, how can you be glorified? I declare to the people of God, it's time to start asking God, how can your name be glorified even in this? God, how can you get some praise out of my stress and how will you be glorified even in my mess? Because here it is, when God's glory becomes your focus, when his praise becomes your priority, when your greatest wish is that God could get some worship, I declare that perspectives begin to change. Outlook begins to change. Disposition begins to change. When the glory of God becomes primal, the situation becomes more manageable. I wish I had a church right here, somebody who could go ahead and tweet that right there. When the glory of God becomes primal, the situation becomes more manageable. In other words, the focus on God's glory helps us to realize that our challenging situations are oftentimes deliberately orchestrated by God as occasions for him to demonstrate his might and power. Don't get me wrong here. I want to let you know God does not cause evil. God is not the author of evil, but God will use evil. God will use a negative situation in order to demonstrate his might and power. He uses our issues to remind us that he wields power over our circumstances, over our enemies, and even over the elements. The children of Israel are afforded ringside seats to a showdown between Pharaoh and the Lord of hosts. This is God talking in verse 4, but I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the, have I got a witness here that every now and again, God will beat his chest, not in arrogance, but in affirmation that he's God. He says, I will gain glory over Pharaoh and all the Egyptians and all of his armies that they might know that I am the Lord. Today, I'd like to emphasize that when we face our most trying times, uh, when, like the children of Israel, we're standing in front of our Red Seas, 
when funds are scarce and resources are depleted and isolation is enforced and death and disease abound and unemployment is on the horizon and recession, recession looms large, we still got to be more concerned for God's glory than for our relief. Have I got a witness here that this season of Corona is an opportunity to look for God's glory more than it is a time for whining and complaining about our own relief. Somebody might have missed it, so let me say it again. In the most trying circumstances, believers have got to be more concerned with God's glory than our own relief. We know that Jesus subscribed to this principle because when in John 9, his disciples meet a man born blind and they ask how the man got in this situation and what happened to him and who sinned, Jesus answered, this man was born blind so that the power of God could be displayed in his life. Okay, y'all not feeling me right there? Let me see if I can help you one more time. John 11, Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus about the death of their brother. The Bible says he tarries until Lazarus dies. The sisters questioned him. If you had been around, this wouldn't have happened. But Jesus responds, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God and that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Even, ladies and gentlemen, during the worst moments of Jesus' life, he still declared in John 12, 27 and 28, but for your purpose came I to this hour, Father, glorify thy name. In other words, church, I'm trying to get you to understand and I'm trying to make the case that when you're facing Red Sea seasons, you've got to realize that God wants to use your situation as a conduit for the glorification of his name. Can I preach it like I feel it here? God gets the glory when his enemies are defeated, when his children are delivered, when his name is exalted, when his exploits are are remembered when his praises are sounded and whenever you participate in God getting glory you are blessed yeah 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 whenever you participate in an event and in a situation where God can get some glory you're blessed Matthew Henry the famous theologian said God sometimes raises difficulties in the way of his people that he may get the glory of subduing them and help his people over them. Can I get a few of you here today to agree that God has a way of turning difficulties into deliverance. He has a way of turning problems into praise. He has a way of turning troubles into triumphs and heartaches into hallelujahs. He's a God who gives us beauty for ashes, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He gives us joy in sorrow and hope for tomorrow. I 
would have you to know, ladies and gentlemen, that Exodus chapter 14 ends in the drowning of Israel's enemies in the very place where they faced their distress. In other words, God showed up. And when God showed up, he sure enough showed out. The Bible says, Exodus 14, 21 to 28, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and all that night the Lord drove the, drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on the right huh, and on the left. The Egyptians pursued them and all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw them into confusion. That's right, that's right. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Verse 26, then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and at daybreak, the sea went back into its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it and the Lord swept them into the sea. The waters flowed back and covered the chariots and the horsemen. The entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea and not one of them survived. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm happy to report to you that at the end of it all, the children of Israel emerged on the other side of the Red Sea unaffected, untouched, and unscathed. God delivered them. And as I prepare to close this message today, I declare that the same God who delivered them is the same God who will deliver us. I heard the old hymnologist say, be not dismayed, whatever be tied. God will take care of you beneath his wings of love abide. He will take care of you. I heard Tasha Cobb Leonard sing, uh, for your glory, I will do anything just to see you and behold you as my king. I heard Juanita Bynum sing, you deserve the glory and the honor for you are great you do miracles so great and there's no one else like you and so ladies and gentlemen when you're going through your trying times when you're facing heartache and headache when there's distress and calamity all around when folk are becoming infected and dying when jobs are lost financial institutions are crumbling marriages are falling apart children are wayward and disobedient Obedient. Health is compromised. You've got to say, God, how are you going to get the glory out of this? You've got to say, God, whatever I go through, let your name be glorified. However long I've got to go through it, let your name be glorified. In my trials, be glorified. In my pain, be glorified. Through my tribulations, be glorified. Despite my affliction, be glorified.
glorified through my dilemma be glorified be glorified in the heavens be glorified on the earth be glorified in the temple Jesus Jesus be thou glorified and so the next time you face your Red Sea situation go ahead and tell God I know you're going to get the glory somehow I heard the old hymnologist sing the Lord will make a way somehow have I got anybody under the sound of my voice that doesn't mind raising up your hands and opening up your mouth and giving God some praise and tell God be glorified be honored be worshipped be magnified be lifted up I lift up holy hands to a holy God you deserve the glory and the honor and the praise be glorified let the church of God say amen I know somebody here today you're struggling with all that's going on you're about to lose your mind with all the stuff that is happening around the world Oh, your stuff is upside down. Things don't look like they're going to turn around. You don't know where to turn, but I... I've stopped by to let you know uh, God can get some glory out of this too. Uh, if you just focus on Jesus. Uh, I heard the old hymnologist sing, uh, look upon Jesus, uh, sinless is he. Father, impute his life unto me. Uh, my life of sorrow, my sin and woe, covered with his life, uh, whiter than snow. Uh, stop looking at the negative, uh, but start looking at how God can be glorified. Search, saints of the most high God. He wants to get some glory, even out of your predicament. And so will you join me now in the lifting of your hands, the bowing of your head and praying to a holy God. Father, we pray right here and right now that your name will be glorified. Be glorified in the heavens. Be glorified in the earth. Be glorified in our temple. Jesus, be glorified. We want you to be glorified in everything that we say and we do. Father, I pray that this word will strengthen us, that we'll not be so concerned with our comfort, but we'll be concerned with your glory. So God, get the praise and the honor and the glory out of us. Push us, motivate us, remind us who it is that we serve. And we'll be careful to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. I pray that the message was inspiring and encouraging to you. If you'd like to connect with us, you can visit our website, valleyfellowshipsda.org. That's valleyfellowshipsda.org. There you can find out more information about our church. And if you'd like to give, you can find a link there to give to help support our ministry at Valley Fellowship. If you'd like to reach out to me, I'd love to hear from you. My email address is pastor at valleyfellowshipsda.org. Once again, that's pastor at valleyfellowshipsda.org. God bless you. Be inspired throughout the rest of today and be encouraged that God is on your side.